Today's episode of Dog Nation Daily is brought to you by Pella Window and Door of Georgia, viewed to be the best. Presented by DogNation.com, this is Dog Nation Daily, the daily podcast for Georgia Bulldogs fans. Here's your host, Brandon Adams. Georgia dismantled Vanderbilt on Saturday. We'll get to that some here today, but you sort of get the sense the mood around Dog Nation is already looking ahead. Looking ahead to this Saturday's game, back in Athens against Arkansas, a head coach on the one side you know very well, and a team that he coaches, the Razorbacks, that are much better at this point in the season than almost anybody could have predicted. It sets up for a very fun day in Athens on Saturday. And I want to begin the week, begin the show today, by looking at these two coaches. They do know each other exceptionally well. Kirby Smart made Sam Pittman the centerpiece, really, of his first coaching staff when he first got the job in time for the 2016 season. And Pittman, seemingly on the other side of this, has great affection for Kirby Smart there as well. In fact, Pittman told a pretty interesting story about Smart last week when he made an appearance on the very popular podcast, you know, Pardon My Take, the Barstool deal with a... PFT commenter and Big Cat. Well, Sam Pittman was on that show, and in the midst of uh, PFT asking him something about, you know, I guess the fact that he has so many centers on his roster, he relates an anecdote about Kirby Smart. Now, I'm going to play you this for two reasons. First of all, it's just kind of cool to hear the one coach talking about the other coach before they play each other coming up on Saturday. But more importantly than that, I'm going to use this to build off of something that Kirby Smart is clearly succeeding in right now that a lot of the other great coaches in college football are currently not succeeding at. And Pittman's words will kick all of this off for us. So here he is from Pardon My Take on what he learned from Kirby Smart. I, I read that you have six centers on your team this year. Is that still true? You still got six of them? Still have six. You know, I, you know, there's two people that handle that ball every snap, every snap and that's the center and the quarterback. You know, on Saturday mornings, we have our meetings, and, and I know Cody gets mad at me, but I'll go, okay, what happens if he goes down? Okay, what happened? We'll get to the fifth center, sixth center, the fifth left tackle. And to be honest with you, Kirby Smart used to do that to me when I was coaching over at Georgia, too, and I was going, damn, he thinks we're going to get to the 100th left tackle. But to be honest with you, last week, we, you know, we, we got hurt. We got beat up, and one kid played three different positions. I love that story of Pittman about Kirby Smart. The Cody that he references there is his offensive line coach at Arkansas, who was a former graduate assistant at UGA. But Pittman says, listen, I'm grilling my assistant saying, okay, if this guy goes down, who plays? And if this guy goes down, who plays? And on and on you go. Finally, you're talking about like your fifth and sixth string option in one of these games at that moment. If you have to move guys around, how are you shifting them around? all the potential scenarios and Pittman says the reason why I do that is because that's what Kirby Smart once did for me and the reason why I think that is really good is because I think it reinforces that something that Smart kind of talked about all the time that frankly those of us who get used to hearing this in press conferences and hearing Smart say these kinds of things I think after a while our eyes just kind of gloss over we almost kind of get bored by this notion of oh I'm going to be obsessive over small details and I'm going to fixate on every possible thing that could happen in a game and I'm going to show you how much of a football guy how much of a coach I really am and at a certain point we kind of tune that out for a while because it seems like just an excessive degree of I don't know if you call it coach speak or just or what 
but it seems so over the top in terms of I've got to be obsessive about every detail that you wonder, could any human being truly be that obsessed with small details? And Sam Pittman, who would know, says, yes, I am now treating my assistants the same way Kirby Smart treated me, which is obsessing over every possible detail you can have of the program. And it just so happens that Smart also kind of pivoted back to a similar idea on Saturday. Georgia goes out and just throttles Vanderbilt. I don't think I've ever seen an SEC team beat another SEC team as bad as I saw Georgia beat Vanderbilt on Saturday. It was just thorough, thorough domination on both sides of the ball. Georgia kind of slipwalked a little bit for a certain point in the second quarter, but that probably only prevented the game from being 100 to nothing as opposed to 62 to nothing. And it just seemed like Georgia, regardless of the opponent, was really firing on all cylinders. And Kirby Smart, after the game, really kind of talked about that, 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 there's a level of focus that is almost irrespective of your opponent, regardless of who, who it is that you might be playing. It's about coming out of here and trying to see how focused you can be, how attuned to every detail you can be. That is seemingly what matters more than, than anything else. And Smart had kind of a particular analogy that he used to sort of describe all of that. So in light of what Pittman just said about Smart's keen attention to detail here are smart's own words on a similar topic after the game saturday against the commodores the biggest emphasis for us has been this trajectory that we wanted to be on and uh, we've talked a long time about every week we get to reset it we gave the analogy of the one in 60 you know for every one degree you're off your target with a plane you know every 60 miles you travel you land one mile off course so we kind of said hey if we're headed to l.a Every 60 miles we travel, we could land 27, 37 miles off target. And we have a chance to, to correct that one degree, just one degree. We have a chance to correct that every Sunday and Monday. And if we go correct that one degree off and we get back on track, we can hit our target. But if at any point in time we don't think we need to correct that, that one or two degrees we're off, then we're, we can get in trouble. And, not, and miss our target and our guys have kind of bought into that analogy of, of steering this plane the right direction let me tell you why i think that matters sam Pittman saying kirby smart so attentive to details that he's worried about his sixth string offensive line potentially in a game that he might be playing or smart saying hey we're going to obsess over course correcting and tightening things up even by just one degree because one degree over the course of a long haul can make a huge difference in your trajectory let me tell you why I think that matters. Let me tell you why I think that's more than just puffery, that, that why I think this is like a real thing that Georgia's really seemingly doing here at this particular point in time. This goes back to what we talked about on last Monday's show, where he said, boy, it really looks like this is kind of a chaotic year. Kirby Smart himself in last week's postgame press conference called this a odd year, a strange year for college football. And if that seemed true last Saturday, it seems even more true right now. Chaos seems to be reigning around the sport. We've had a ton of ranked teams already lose, and some of the very best teams in college football have certainly not looked like what we'd have expected them to look like. You had Oklahoma and Spencer Rattler, its quarterback, struggling on Saturday against West Virginia. Fans openly calling for Rattler's backup, Caleb Williams, to be playing there in Norman. That's an Oklahoma team right now that does not look like the way it was supposed to look. You had Clemson lose again on Saturday. Clemson's been in every college football playoff since 2015. They will not be in the college football playoff here this year. A very un-Dabo Sweeney-like year for the Tigers. They have now been voted off the island, and we're not even to October yet. You had Ohio 
Ohio State, which has struggled mightily thus far this season, already lost to Oregon, uh, has scuffled in some games other than that, had a player quit during the game on Saturday, creating an unbelievable level of controversy and distraction there in Columbus. That's another big-time program that has just seemed somewhat chaotic this year. And I don't think it's a coincidence that the year of chaos on the field seems to fairly well coincide with the off-season of chaos off the field that's led up to all this. You can think about pandemic stuff if you want to, but we've also had the proliferation of the transfer portal. We've had name image likeness. We've had all these strange things. And on a show like this that had a little bit of skepticism about name image likeness, it is not lost on us. It is not lost on us at all that two of the biggest names in the preseason name image likeness conversation the aforementioned Spencer Rattler at Oklahoma, Clemson quarterback DJ Uyunglele, who's doing Dr. Pepper commercials and things like that. It's not lost on us at all that Rattler and Uyunglele are probably the two biggest disasters in the sport right now in terms of where their preseason expectation was and where their current in-season performance is. There is a case to be made that neither guy has handled the newfound attention of being a NIL darling particularly well. Certainly their teams have seemed to suffer around all of this to go along with Ohio State and some others who right now are just having a hard time dealing with the season's worth of chaos that we've already had through the first month of the 2021 season. Lo and behold, Georgia just seems to avoid all of that, at least thus far. And obviously what happens for the first month is no guarantee for what's going to happen for the next three months. I understand all of that. But thus far, Georgia has done a really good job avoiding that chaos. Uh, JT Daniels is seemingly cashing in very well on name, image, likeness opportunities right now, but he certainly doesn't seem to be distracted when he's playing at the moment. He's playing at a very high level. The Georgia offense around him playing at a very high level too. The Georgia defense is legitimately scary for the opponents that it's playing right now. Uh, Georgia got past a Clemson game where – you know, maybe it just had to do whatever it could do to win, and it's been coasting for the last three weeks since then. There is chaos happening all around college football, but at the moment, Georgia's just simply not a participant in it. So even though a lot of what has happened over the course of the calendar year, offseason, leading to the start of the season, has been chaotic for college football, it certainly seems like it's possible that Kirby Smart, who was so attentive to details when Sam Pittman worked here, they were looking at all of the possible offensive line combinations that could potentially play in a game, and so interested in fine-tuning the on-field product for his team, they are, as Smart said a moment ago, trying to course-correct even by just one degree because of how much a difference just one degree over time can make. It seems like Kirby Smart, who has openly said before that he doesn't love a lot of the things but the current state of college football, it seems like he was still able to experience it, create a plan for it, and it seems like right now he is managing that better than a lot of other programs might be managing their own situations in what is, for the sport, just a pretty strange year all the way around. So keep that in mind. Georgia in October, as the month gets ready to begin on Saturday, is right where it wanted to be, right where someone would have expected it to be. But when you look around at all the other programs that started the season in the preseason top five and all the other programs that began the year with the same national championship expectation that Georgia has, who don't find themselves in as similar a position right now, in as advantageous a position right now as Georgia finds itself in, then understand, it is not a foregone conclusion that Georgia would be here. But thus far, it has been as advertised and needs to continue now in the games to come. But given the attention to detail that Smart has already shown, given the level of focus that Georgia has already shown, that has allowed the dogs to avoid the chaos that seems to be afflicting some of the other programs, I think after one month, Georgia deserves a good bit of credit for all of that. 
My name is Brandon Adams, and this is Dog Nation Daily, the daily podcast for Georgia Bulldogs fans, presented today by Pella Window and Door of Georgia, and glad to have you with us, no matter how you get to us today, live on video, 10 a.m., Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, Twitch. We actually start at 9.45 in the morning with our first and 15 at dognation.com and on the Dog Nation app, and so however you're watching us on video, we appreciate you doing that. Also, for those of you that check us out on the podcast, whether it's the Apple Player, Spotify, uh, worldfamousdognation.com, we post the show each and every day there. A lot of you listen directly on SoundCloud, which is cool with us there too. The Google Play on the Android devices, all kinds of podcast platforms uh, that folks check us out on. We appreciate that. Our friends in Athens on the radio on Athens Sports Radio 96, the ref, we love that one there too because our folks there in the classic city, we always like keeping them company as they're going to launch or whatever it is they're doing. Just really happy to have all of you with us. And a big thanks to Pella Window and Door of Georgia for making it all possible. You know, Pella Window and Door of Georgia can help equip you with energy-efficient windows and doors. It's great this time of year because it keeps what's supposed to be inside on the inside and what's supposed to be on the outside on the outside. It's a nationally-known company, which means you get unparalleled resources, but it's a locally-owned branch right here in Georgia, which means you get unrivaled service. You also get great savings here at the moment there as well. Check this out for you. Uh, between now and October 28th, you can get 40% off qualifying installations or 0% interest if if you'll pay you for your project in full within the first 12 months with regular payments. That's what Bella Window and Door of George can do for you. Also great warranties, unparalleled expertise, and all of that. Easy to find there as well. You can give them a call, 678-638-1496. That's 678-638-1496. Or the website, PellaofGA.com slash DogNation. That's PellaofGA.com slash DogNation. Just when you reach out to them, just remember this, though. Please tell them that BA from Dog Nation Daily said they would take good care of you because I know that they will. All right, it is John Stinchcomb coming up. We'll do a Classic City Lager Insider Update with John here coming up in a couple of moments. Before that, though, I want to go around the doghouse and talk about the, I guess, the you know, 50,000-pound elephant in the room when it comes to Georgia's game against Arkansas coming up, the thing that kind of hangs like a dark cloud over the game, at least in the mind of a lot of fans. And it's around the doghouse presented by AAA. We'll get this conversation going. And that is the presence of the noon game start for Georgia against Arkansas. And no matter how you try to, like, make it be okay, for a lot of folks, it's just kind of disappointing. And really, I'm no different on that. Even though Saturday's a work day for me and it actually makes it a little easier to get my work you know, done and, you know, feel like I have a little bit of a weekend with the earlier start. Selfishly, I almost benefit from it. But even if that's the case, I would still rather it be a night game. I'm bleary eyed and absolutely exhausted on Sunday morning, but I'll take that every single time because of the atmosphere that is created for one of those nine games uh, or night games. It's just better for recruiting. It's better for the moment in the game. Does it help George win the game? Maybe it does. Maybe it doesn't. It's just a lot more fun to be there for the night game. And that's what most fans, I think, kind of understand. And in fact, Recent Georgia commit uh, Carlton Mann Jr. I think spoke for a lot of fans about this on social media when he recently posted like the noon start with like the you know hand over the head kind of emoji deal there. Uh, that's the way a lot of Georgia fans, I think if you're watching a video, that emoji I think fairly well speaks to what Georgia fans feel about all of this. It's just like, oh gosh, it's a noon game. And you know, if you don't live in Athens, this is the thing you gotta understand. To even be there in time for the game to begin, you have to leave your house pretty early. I mean, Georgia will have a lot fewer elite recruits for a game like this than they otherwise would have had because if you're playing on Friday night, you're not getting done until you know midnight. You know, you're not leaving the stadium until very, very late. You're going home, then you got to wake up really early trying to make it to Athens. That's just logistically a very difficult thing to do. So I think Madden showing that frustration there is the way that a lot of folks just kind of feel. It's just not nearly as fun 
when it comes to the noon start on all of this. Now, to make the TV experience better, though, there is a lot happening around the game that certainly feel like make this feel like the atypical noon start. First of all, ESPN's College Game Day is going to be there. They put this out there on Twitter yesterday. The live from Athens, Georgia, in the Classic City for Georgia and Arkansas. So kind of a fun deal that the game will be highlighted on ESPN all morning long. And then you'll roll right into the noon start there on the big network. And by the way, to make the game feel even bigger, you don't see this very much. Normally, Chris Fowler, Kirk Herbstreit called the 8 p.m. game on ABC. But on Saturday, Fowler and Herbstreit are calling the noon game there on uh, ESPN. As Fowler said on Twitter yesterday, that he was excited to call the high noon collision of the dogs and the Razorbacks between the hedges. He says, I rarely get a chance to call an SEC regular season game. So Chris Fowler in business for this one on Saturday and apparently looking forward to all of it. However, if you're in the stadium, the fact that game day is there, the fact that Fowler's there, does not do all that much to make you feel better about the fact that you're not getting the light and the, the the night light show and you're not you're not getting that just I mean that kind of like golden hour of the uh before the sun sets in Athens when you have like the west end zone you can see the beautiful sky I mean it's just so perfect especially as you kind of get into the fall I mean there really is a loss and I just I'm not gonna lie I'm not gonna sugarcoat this there is a loss when the game's not taking place at night noon compared to the night is just not as good I I just totally totally acknowledge that however according to Georgia coach Kirby Smart you as a fan have a job to do sometimes when you have a job you got to shake off your feelings and say it doesn't matter how I feel I just got some work to do and for those of you that plan on being there on Saturday, that's exactly what Kirby Smart in so many words told you on Saturday. He wants you to shake off your feelings, get over your disappointment about not being a noon start. Apparently, there's nothing that Georgia can do about that, but he still wants that atmosphere to be rocking and rolling against the Razorbacks on Saturday. Now, before I play this story, let me just say this. Like, some of these Zoom press conferences are just an absolute disaster. I don't know how else to say it. This is like really strong audio from Kirby Smart, but at one point in time, somebody's laptop is not on mute, and so there's all kinds of like odd noise. I, I didn't want to edit that part out, though, because what Smart is saying is really good and strong. So this is not on my end. This is just the continued disaster that is the Zoom stuff, and many of you in your own work life are continuing to deal with the same thing. College football, in this case, no different. So here is a very strong challenge from Kirby Smart to Georgia fans to set that alarm clock, get a game face on really early, you know, uh, fuel up however you need to to make that possible, and be ready for the uh, kickoff there. Here's Kirby Smart after the game on Saturday. I want to issue a challenge, and I want it to be heard right now. You know, we got a huge game next week at 12 o'clock in Athens, Georgia, and everybody wants our team to be elite, and I want our team to be elite, and we've thrown that word around. So when we talk about our fan base, we talk about our fan base being elite, you know, we want to be there early and show up better than we ever have. We want to be loud, which is the L, louder than we ever have. We want to be super intense because the players are going to be intense. We need the fans to be intense. The toughness that we're going to show, we need our fan base to show. And the last thing is elite. So if our fans will be elite, we'll have an opportunity to put on a heck of a show at 12 o'clock at Sanford Stadium next week. A heck of a show, Smart says, 12 o'clock at Sanford Stadium on Saturday. And I hope it can be that way. I have a sense that Georgia fans will do that. I think they take this kind of stuff seriously. And it's one of the reasons why I wanted to be so honest a moment ago that yeah, it is disappointing that the game's at noon. I'm not going to sit here and say, oh, it doesn't matter. You know, game time is no, you know, no big deal. No, it is. I mean, if you were at that South Carolina game two weeks ago, 
you know a night game in Sanford Stadium right now is really pretty fun. And I'll just say this real quick, and then I won't bring this up again. Like, I, I do think the SEC deserves, owes it to, um, you know, uh, college football fans to give a little bit more transparency about why certain things are the way they are. Because when it comes to the recruits that show up at the game, when it comes to the atmosphere inside the game, the night game value is just so high now. The noon game start. This is not like the NFL where, like, most of the games, you know, or the majority of the games take place at 1 p.m. Eastern time. You know, college football is a little bit different in that regard. There is just a big loss for a game at noon compared to the games that take place a, a little bit later on. And so, you know, understanding that, understanding the commodity that is a game that kicks off later on in the evening, a little bit of transparency from the SEC about why it is. Does everybody have to take one for the team and do a noon start? Is this only something that Georgia's being asked to do for its big top 10 showdown? A little bit more transparency would be nice. Of course, we're not going to get it. The SEC hides behind its shield on every big issue. No no explanation for bad officiating calls for the most part or, or anything like that. They'll hide behind the shield on this too. But a little bit more transparency about exactly why it is that Georgia got stiffed on the noon start, I think would do fans well. But now that we've said that, as a fan of Georgia myself, I want to take Smart seriously too and hopefully uh, call on Georgia fans themselves to do what needs to be done to make Saturday feel as big as it needs to feel. And I have no doubt Georgia fans will rise to the occasion on all of that. That is Around the Doghouse. It's, assist- it's assisted today by our friends at AAA. And I was on the road a lot this weekend. From Atlanta to Warner Robins on Friday, from Warner Robins back towards Nashville throughout the weekend, then Nashville back home uh, again on Saturday evening. And when I'm rolling down the road, I'm always thankful I have that legendary roadside assistance for AAA because I want them to take good care of me if I break down on the side of the road. Goodness knows I'm not going to be able to fix whatever's broken. Uh, And that's what AAA can provide that peace of mind for. But that's not the only peace of mind that AAA can provide when it comes to your vehicle. They also offer tremendous savings on auto insurance as well. Did you know that when you switch and save your auto insurance with AAA, you can save on average $529? That's a great deal. That's great savings. And it's a good thing to know. So find out more about it today by going to the website. It's aaa.com slash auto insurance. AAA.com slash auto insurance. You can find out a lot more about that. Switch and save your auto insurance with AAA here today. That is Around the Doghouse, assisted by AAA. Over the course of our program, before we're done, I want to talk a little bit more about the emergence of the Georgia playmakers, such as Brock Bowers in particular, who I think right now has the look of really something pretty special for UGA, the likes of which they haven't had very much in recent seasons. That's how good I think the Bowers has been thus far. But before we get to that, my thoughts on that, let's get some thoughts from a former All-American, a guy who watched the game against Vanderbilt closely on Saturday and saw some very interesting stuff, and he'll help us break it down now and a look ahead to Arkansas and Sam Pittman there too. So it's our classic city logger insider update. Our insider is John Stinchcomb. Let's talk to him right now. From Athens and across the SEC or wherever the recruiting trail may lead, here's a DogNation.com insider. John, we'll say hello to you and appreciate you being here as part of Classic City Logger Insider Update. You know, it's a very interesting stage set for the game against Arkansas on Saturday where you've got ESPN's College Game Day there. You've got the number one broadcast team broadcasting the game. You've got you know top 10 teams on both sides here. But for the fan... He's been challenged or she's been challenged by Kirby Smart to get in there and make a lot of noise and get over the fact that you're disappointed that it's a noon star and not one of these coveted nighttime starts with all the technology that exists in the stadium now. The games just look so much cooler at night. 
you know, uh, do you kind of get where the fan is coming from on this, that even with the extra bells and whistles around the game from a TV standpoint, there's just a little something kind of lost when you're forced to set that alarm clock early to even get there in time for the game. Do you kind of get where the fans are coming from on that? Uh, absolutely, and, I, and the players do too. I think the, the best part of it was seeing the reaction of how Georgia responded and Vandy to a noon game against a far inferior opponent with not a uh, electrifying atmosphere up there, You know, despite the fact there were being more red and black than yellow and black up there. Um, it's still it's a different, different atmosphere, and to see – you know, you, what, what do you expect in a noon game against an inferior opponent? You're going to start slow. You're going to um, not be up for the game until halfway through, and then you finally wake up, and Georgia had none of that on Saturday. So I think that bodes really well for the team. And now, now Kirby's trying to get the fans on board with that belief of, hey, just because uh, it's a noon start, that's not something we can control, but what we what something that is is our effort and our our ability to influence the game so seems like he had the players in line and buying in on saturday now he wants the fans to do the same against arkansas for the for the coming up weekend so let me ask you that for a moment because i'm a big believer that like body clock is a real thing right like before i did this job i've done about every job you can do in media and like a couple times i like filled in on the 11 o'clock news when you have to be your best, I'm talking about your most like aware, alert at like 11:15 or 11:25 at night, whenever it is the sports is happening in local news broadcast. I can tell you, as someone who's done that, that's really pretty weird because normally I'm at my best around the time that you and I are speaking live right now in the morning. That's when most people are doing their work. To be at your best at 11:25 at night when you're doing the sports cast is just kind of a strange thing to do. You have to train your body to know how to do that, and in sports, I think it's much the same way. And I guess what i'm building to here by a question is when it comes to the challenges of getting your body ready to go is it harder to do that for a game that starts at night or is it harder to do that for a game that starts at noon what if which one of the game you know forget the distraction the lack of crowd noise or whatever might typically be a problem in a noon game just from a body clock standpoint as a player what's the easier one to retrain your body for the slightly earlier start or the slightly later start well, I, I always had an easier time adjusting to night games than okay. those quick games. Now, you play in the NFL, and it's a little bit different because most of your games are at one o'clock, and um, you just uh, you're, you're used to routine. And I think that's what matters most, and for for players is the familiarity. If you're used to, and Georgia certainly is, at least their veterans are used to playing night games. Um, because they're usually the marquee games, at least later afternoon, um, then that's what you're, you're prepared for. You're prepared for that routine of meetings in the morning and uh, being in your hotel room for a few hours. And, yeah, you're, you're used to that schedule. And, and I think that's what influences players most is, is that comfort with the routine. And when you change that up a little bit, it's like anything else. You have to make adjustments. And... Uh, those that are, are prepared for it, and I think coaches certainly do influence it um, in getting guys mentally ready for that kind of transition, it matters. And obviously Georgia had them dialed in on Saturday, and, and the players went out there and there was no lag. So uh, same thing for fans. I mean, <laughs> you're used to your routine. I get in my spot at this time, and 
know, somebody's on the grill this many hours before the game. You speed that up on Saturday, and all of a sudden you feel like you're scrambling a little bit. So um, I think it's uh, like what we just talked about for the coaches and the team. Having a plan is going to be important for, for us to answer the call that Coach Smart has placed on our performance on Saturday, which is to show up and show out and make it a pretty – challenging atmosphere for the Razorbacks when they come to town on Saturday. No, I think that's exactly right. And I guess I was also kind of told through the grapevine that in the time leading up to the game against Clemson week one, that Georgia did spend some like body clock style preparations, moving practices later, especially that weekend prior to the game, just to get the team kind of in that rhythm of having had been practicing in the afternoons, what most teams do, to now you're practicing, you know, kind of doing some stuff at night because you've got to get used to waiting all day to go out and do your football thing there that following Saturday night. So Georgia did take that kind of stuff pretty seriously. And it kind of speaks to, John, the, the attention to detail that I guess that Kirby Smart's really become famous for. I played some audio earlier of Sam Pittman talking about that. Smart himself addressed his own you know, desire to always be tinkering and trying to fine-tune things after the game Saturday against Vanderbilt. And I think thus far, it's not a guarantee of what's going to happen the rest of the season, but thus far, John, I do think that Georgia deserves some credit for this, that we see chaos abounding in college football. Clemson's been in every playoff since 2015, won't be there this year. Oklahoma is seemingly a, a shell of what we expected to be based on what it has been in recent years. They're even struggling a little bit the quarterback spot right now, something we don't typically see them do. Fans calling out the starting quarterback, wanting to see the backup play mm-hmm. more. Ohio State had a player quit during the game on Saturday. There is a lot wow. of chaos for for elite big time teams and Georgia just kind of kind of right now just sailing right on through and doing what needs to be done that to me is not insignificant that in what has been a strange year for college football Georgia's had very little strangeness whatsoever they have managed seemingly the chaos pretty well and I am impressed by it but and I, I guess this Saturday against Arkansas with all the other potential distractions that could come into play here my guess is is that Georgia won't succumb to any of that if I had to make a prediction well, I, I, I'm almost giddy, B.A., as most fans, Georgia fans are. And you're thinking, you're looking across the, the board and these elite programs, they don't look quite as elite. There's some, so many vulnerabilities in their, uh, in their armor that you don't usually see. The fact that Oklahoma is uh, you know, a preseason Heisman candidate and Spencer Rattler and all of a sudden there's booze coming from the stands and I mean, across the board, Clemson is a mere shell of what they usually are at this time of year when they're looking invincible, playing that inferior ACC schedule that they face. So uh, that's exterior. Those those are teams that you're looking at outside of the ones in Athens. But uh, the big test is coming this month for Georgia. Uh, is is our excitement for? what's going on outside and the fact that Georgia so far has looked like the uh, at least the number two team in the country, if not the number one team in the country at times, uh, is that for real? And uh, this month of October, we're going to find out. And uh, Hats off to Coach Pittman because I, I would be the first to admit I didn't think Arkansas was capable of a top ten team. And for him to put one together as quickly as, as he has, uh, Saturday will prove a lot of things, and, and one is the legitimacy of that program. So, um, a, lot, a, lot, a lot will be told on Saturday, not only for Georgia, but uh, a, a, across 
the landscape of college football, and uh, I, I'm pretty pumped about it because really this team in this year is uh, situated in a way that you have to think is very favorable to Georgia finding that end-of-the-year success that we also covet. I want to talk to you about the Vanderbilt game for a moment on Saturday. Seems like we probably should since it just got played. Um, I think there are a lot of people that assume well, there's nothing you can take about Georgia from this game because of how bad the opponent was and how easy the game was. But, John, here's a theory that I very much believe in, that easy wins aren't as easy to come by as sometimes people assume. And you can look back at Georgia the last couple of years and see a couple of games in SEC play that were maybe supposed to be easier than they turned out to be. Think about the frustrations like a year ago of you know Georgia at Kentucky. Now, Kentucky's not a terrible team. They're much better than this Vanderbilt team is. But Georgia only wins that game 14-3 to and really had to scuffle for every point and every yard it got that day. In 2019, Georgia lost as a more than three-touchdown favorite to South Carolina that sometimes making an easy game look easy is a little harder than sometimes we assume it's going to be. So the fact that Georgia goes out there and really on both sides of the ball was as dominant as it was to the point that you were pulling starters in the first quarter and playing a lot of backups mm. and and you know just Georgia could have made it as bad as it wanted to on Saturday. I do kind of take something from Georgia about that about you know the level of a uh, level of focus that it has right now the level of intensity just the depth the depth of talent that makes a a game like that appear to be so dominant what did you learn from Georgia against Vanderbilt on Saturday well I, we, I've played in those games we've seen those games where you play down to your opponent's level and it takes you a while to get up to speed and say hey we can't just roll our hats out here we're going to actually play um, to win and and actually execute on what we're coached and boy did Georgia come out swinging now Vandy didn't help themselves they had those uh, turnovers early in that quarter, and, and you can't do that against the giant that Georgia is. And, uh, you know, that's on Mandy's side. But for Georgia to come out and, and execute, right? I mean, mentally, I think it, it's the biggest factor when you know, and everyone in the stadium knows, that you've got the better team. You still have to go out there and prove it because what are you telling? What's Vandy telling their guys? Hey, we're gonna we're gonna swing our best punch. There's nothing to lose, um, and that's what you've got to almost weather or answer um, in that first part of the game because you want to crush their confidence. And Georgia did that for any inferior opponent. They all think that maybe we can stay toe to toe. In the back of their minds, they're going, "I feel slighted that I hadn't didn't get these opportunities, and I wasn't the five stars or the four star guy." Um, and I need to prove, I've got something to prove that, you know, uh, on a personal level. And you go out there and you answer that pretty quickly. And I think you slam the door the way Georgia does. And it, it demoralizes your opponent. And it also invigorates the guys on your sideline because you've set that tempo early that we're not here to play. This isn't, this isn't about Vanderbilt. This is about the University of Georgia and the fact that we've got something special and I refuse to let anyone uh, across from us take that from us, even if they are uh, the, the, the I feel so sorry for this underdog story. I certainly don't. You lined up across from me and uh, now we got to play and you put your best foot forward and, and Georgia did that exceptionally well in that first quarter to the point where they're already rolling in subs, like you said. So 
um, a, a testament to the mentality that's being created and fostered at, the, at Georgia right now. At the risk of being a wet blanket, I do want to ask you before we go your thoughts about maybe a potential concern or two. We'll do that coming up in a moment. Uh, but first, let me remind folks, this is our Classic City Lager Insider Update with John Stinchcomb, of course, our friends at Classic City Lager. Such a big part of so many tailgates this time of year because it's a great taste of the city of Athens, the Classic City, but you don't have to be in Athens to get it. It's available in six and 12-pack cans. Wherever you're doing your shopping all year long, you can get yourself some Classic City Lager. It's just really, really delicious to enjoy. And as you think about a noon start on Saturday, i got to tell you, it probably tastes pretty good for breakfast there, too. Get yourself a biscuit, put some sausage on that, maybe a little egg and a little Classic City Lager to go alongside that before you head into the uh, game on Saturday, the stadium. I don't think that's a bad choice there at all. And in all seriousness, whatever you're doing this time of year, however you're enjoying yourself with what you got going on, a little Classic City Lager from uh, our friends at Creature Comforts Brewing Company is a great choice on that. I'm a simple guy. I like simple things. Classic City Lager is just good, cold beer. It's a lager-style beer, lighter flavor. But uh, but listen, it, it's no sacrifice in taste, though. This is a craft-style lager. That means that you've got really special care, intricate details. Folks who love beer have made Classic City Lager, so there's a lot of love in each can that you're going to drink. So enjoy that today from our friends at Creature Comforts Brewing Company, some Classic City Lager, including this saturday if you're heading over to the classic city for the game against the hogs there all right john so if you want to find a nitpick you know george got the short yarded situation on, on fourth down against vanderbilt they bring in you know jordan davis they just bring in the whole student body seemingly you don't convert the short yardage play there you know the best running plays on saturday were the ones involving guys like brock bowers and Vlad mcconkey on sweeps not necessarily the running backs themselves um you got to run the ball better to beat the best teams you're going to play what are you seeing as the steps are taken to get that done whether it be offensive line a lot of tinkering on Saturday you know Kendall Milton didn't play at all uh Zamir White played sparingly so maybe you don't take too much from that one way or another but what do you see about something that you and I both have kind of said has been a work in progress up to this point well hard to assess because of the number of bodies that rolled through the game. Obviously, Broderick Jones was the first sub to come in and had legitimate time, and I think he's probably somebody that they're uh, factoring into the equation, even if it's not a blowout. Uh, It seems like he has earned that opportunity to be one of the six guys that Georgia is going to deploy on a Saturday, so no excuses there for rotational players. I'd also say that James Cook in my opinion, has shown flashes of uh, some of the best work that he's done in, in with a G on the side of his helmet just because of the way he's run, both internally, externally. Uh, he's, a, he's a factor. With that said, the, the running game hasn't been what you want it to be, and it hasn't needed to be, but you, you need to make that progress. I don't know if I saw a ton of that against Vandy uh, just because of the um, – amount of space that was given in the passing game and you know it was not your conventional run game scores with the two jet sweeps to to McConkey and uh, Bowers but that's part of the rushing attack that Georgia is deploying right now there hasn't been the rhythm that we we have grown accustomed to with our backs and you know Zamir is is playing at a high level I think his vision uh, of, of hitting the hole is um, much improved, but there hasn't been that consistency, and it's still a little bit of a concern and something that will need to be addressed 
but watching the games, I went back sadly and, and watched the past couple of games just to see what's going on. And there isn't one issue. It's it's always, um, you know, a guy had his head on the wrong side of the block or uh, sometimes it's the slot receiver not digging out a safety that's come down or recognizing that uh, there's an extra defender to that side and it might be a situation where you'd be better served to check out or at least check to a different side of, of where you're running. So they haven't found that rhythm that they're looking for yet, and nor have they needed to, but it's not something that's insurmountable and not fixable out of this offense. Uh, it's just a, hopefully a matter of time and, and opportunity for when those, uh, those plays are really going to start clicking for this Georgia offense. John, I really appreciate your thoughts on today's show as part of our Classic City Logger Insider Update. I'm looking forward to seeing what happens on Saturday against Arkansas. I know you'll be watching that game closely there, too, and we'll look forward to getting a chance to hear more from you about it next week there as well. So appreciate you being here and hope you enjoy your week. Always a good time, B.A. Go dog. No doubt. Let's take a look around the rest of the league. This is SEC Through. All right, good stuff from uh, John Stinchcomb there. We'll move into our SEC Through here. I want to highlight a few things from around the league, including a very odd situation unfolding at Auburn. And we'll tell you about that here coming up in a moment. Before that, though, I'm going to tell you about what's happening right now at Marlowe's Tavern. This isn't odd at all. This is fantastic. It is great. In fact, I'm going to check this out this week because I was talking to my wife before the weekend Knowing we're going to be doing a lot this weekend, I was going to be going to Warner Robins for a really good high school game, and it was. Boy, how, how good were the demons on Friday night on Peachtree TV and CBS46.com against Lee County. So impressive. But I knew I was going to be doing that game. I'm going to be in Nashville on Saturday there as well. Quick turnaround to get back home. And I thought, you know, next week, we hadn't really seen each other much during the weekend. Uh, I've been working a lot, doing a lot of things. My son's got baseball coming up. My you know daughter's always got a lot of stuff going on. You know, I said, you know, we just need to go enjoy the ribs and whiskey there at Marlowe's Tavern and just kind of have a good kind of, you know, midweek. We don't do a lot of that kind of stuff. You know, a lot of times midweek, uh, a lot of times we're just too busy to do that. Let's go to the tavern right there near us in our neighborhood and let's just enjoy some ribs and whiskey. So I think this is this is the week we're going to do that. I'd encourage you to do the same thing because it's actually of all like the promotions and Marlowe's is really cool about having a bunch of cool stuff always going on. This is probably my favorite one they do. In fact, I know for a fact it's my favorite one they do because it's ribs and whiskey like (laughs) I don't need to explain more to most of you than that. Uh, certainly, we're on the same page when it comes to that. But it's just so much fun, um, and it pairs so well. Like the food with, like whether it be the cocktails or the you know the wine selections, whatever else. Just Marlowe's Tavern just got so much of this there as well. Also, some of your all-time favorites are back as a part of this event too. The the uh, honey bourbon bread pudding dessert, which is so good, or those special glazes that you can get whether it be the Jack Daniels glaze, the Carolina mustard, that's always a lot of fun. Now, if you don't want to like go to the dining room and eat this right now, if you want to get it to go, take it to your tailgate on Saturday, you can do that there too. But just so many great choices, whether it's the full rack of ribs, pound of pulled pork, all that kind of stuff, you can just do some, so much of that for tailgating time, you know, in the restaurant for special night out, whatever it is you need. Just go to marlowstavern.com to find out more. marlowstavern.com to find out more. The Ribs and Whiskey event taking place right now at the tavern right there near you. So make sure you uh, check that out. It is such a great time to be at Marlowe's Tavern. It is not a great time to be on the plains right now at Auburn, though. Auburn had a close call against Georgia State. It was funny. I had uh, the satellite radio on my rental car coming back from Nashville. 
So as I'm driving back, I'm like trying to flip channels between Auburn and Georgia State and, you know, uh, the Texas A&M Arkansas game and all the other stuff that was kind of going on trying to follow all these games down to the wire. And it was very interesting just how close Auburn came to losing to Georgia State. And that would not have been good for the Auburn program. And, you know, we'll get to the T.J. Finley part of this. He comes in, saves Auburn's bacon, and maybe now gets a chance to start against his old team, against LSU on Saturday, which is interesting. But what's more interesting than that for Auburn right now is the fact that Cornelius Williams, the wide receivers coach, was fired after the game. Now, you can jokingly say for Brian Harson, who came to the SEC from Boise State, you know, trying to keep the message board keyboard warriors at bay and sort of sacrificing a, an assistant coach to the online mob after a too-close-for-comfort game against a, a group of five opponent. Maybe this was the day that Brian Harson officially became an SEC coach. You can jokingly say that if you want to, but I'm going to tell you right now, this is not a good look. This is not a good look for Auburn. I tried to spend some time around Auburn media over the last 24 hours to kind of see if there was any kind of like backstory lingering here with Cornelius Williams, a guy that I don't know very much about. Uh, And the best I can tell, there really isn't. This seems to be a response to the way the season has started for Auburn. Two consecutive losses. You'll forgive them for losing at Penn State. Uh, Actually, they didn't lose Saturday. So a loss to Penn State, a near miss uh, against Georgia State. You can forgive them for the Happy Valley deal, but you need to play better at home against Georgia State than you did. But my point on all this, though, is is this this idea that it's somehow Williams' fault that Auburn's not very good at the receiver position. And they are not. Their receivers are not are not great. But the idea this is somehow Williams' fault when you're this short into you know the the tenure here of this season knowing that Auburn had lost Eli you know Anthony Schwartz and Seth uh, Williams and Eli Stokes and some of the guys that uh, uh Eli Stowe some of the guy that that, that that you know had been contributors in the receiver position before they were very thin and the idea that you're making this kind of knee-jerk reaction this soon into a season honestly unless there's some sort of mitigating factor that hasn't been made public yet to me, this is way too similar to what unfolded with Jeremy Pruitt at Tennessee. First of all, there's an odd symmetry in the fact that Tennessee did lose to Georgia State, and that kind of sealed Jeremy Pruitt's fate. In this particular case, Auburn almost lost to uh, Georgia State. But you remember, uh, Jeremy Pruitt has kind of a knee-jerk reaction, like firing his defensive line coach, right? And he's doing that in season, and it just kind of seemed like the kind of thing that a button-up program just would not be doing. That kind of wild, uh, what do you want to call it, you know, just – knee-jerk reaction to poor play to say well we got we got to fire an assistant right here in the middle of the season unless something weird happen unless there's some sort of extenuating circumstance in all of this this kind of makes brian harson appear to be the one who's overmatched not the receivers coach in particular here scapegoating a guy like that so short into his tenure makes it seem like the auburn program right now is just not very buttoned up you may have been surprised to see that alabama for its big showdown game against Ole miss on saturday opens as a 20-point favorite. Now, I told you that for the people who want to say that all is riding uh, momentum-wise on Ole Miss in this game and that Alabama is ripe for the picking here after struggling in the win against Florida and seemingly all the excitement on the side of Matt Corral, who probably has been the best player in college football through these first few weeks of the season, what Lane Kiffin's doing offensively there. I told you before, just be very, very careful. And the point spread makers, the line makers – are trying to tell you the same thing. Be very careful in assuming that Ole Miss has even any chance to keep this game close against Alabama on Saturday. But the game itself will be very interesting. And I think for a Georgia fan, in a roundabout way, it's almost as interesting as what Georgia's going to do against Arkansas because there is so much you can learn from this. On the one hand, you can learn 
how many potential playoff level teams does the SEC have? We know Georgia's one. We believe Alabama is one. And all of a sudden, now you're left to assume, what about the next group? What about Arkansas who plays Georgia on Saturday? What about Ole Miss who has been kind of riding high thus far this season? What about Florida who you know, legitimately feels like they proved something by playing Alabama close a couple of weeks ago? How many of these teams currently exist right now that are worthy of that conversation? That's what we could potentially learn about Ole Miss. But on the flip side of that, for a Georgia fan who wants to see, you know, what is the formula? What is the recipe for taking down Alabama? Well, Ole Miss is going to try its thing on Saturday, right? It's going to be a lot of Matt Corral. Some of that will be with his legs. A lot of that's going to be through the air. A lot of that's going to be uh, uh, a play calling design from Lane Kiffin that legitimately had Alabama pretty flummoxed a year ago. Does that work again on Saturday? And if it does, then I would say a Georgia fan is kidding himself if he thinks anything less than that is going to be successful for Georgia. That if if Ole Miss goes out there and if Lane Kiffin, Kiffin even keeps it close on Saturday and if he's doing Lane Kiffin-type things as a way to do that, that's fairly obviously the blueprint for how Georgia would need to do the same thing. Have JT Daniels playing at his highest, have those playmakers around him you know, helping raise the level of the offensive play, calling overall a pitch-perfect game from a guy like Todd Munkin as being the way that Georgia beats Alabama, if that's indeed what Ole Miss shows you on Saturday. But let's say the opposite happens. Let's say that it's Alabama who, as I assume is going to happen, really asserts itself there at home. And if Ole Miss finds itself not quite ready for a stage like this, then there's also, once again, a couple of things that a Georgia fan can take from that. First of all, Alabama apparently won't be making it easy for Georgia the rest of the season. And Georgia better be thankful that it's got a level of talent depth in its program that Ole Miss would only dream about having right now. And potentially that gives Georgia a better shot in a game like that. So I think the Alabama Ole Miss game is more than just entertainment. I think it's a potential precursor for what either Georgia will need to do to beat Alabama or just how easy that task or difficult that task is going to be. Let me kind of kind of finish up with this as part of our SEC through. So a couple things here real quick. Uh, LSU holds on to beat Mississippi State. LSU had to have this game. This is a season-saving game for the Tigers. Their year legitimately would have been done had they not won that game on the road. I thought it was a rough look for Eli Drinkwitz, who I kind of like, and I didn't mind his candor going into Saturday's game against Boston College where he had said that he'd rather not play the game, would rather play a, a regional rival or – uh, a game in a spot where they're going to be likely to pull recruits. He said Massachusetts is not a place they're going to do that. And I don't mind that candor. I don't mind that level of honesty. I wish coaches would be more honest. But if you're going to say those things and provide potential bulletin board material to your opponent, you got to go out and win the game. That's what Missouri forgot to do on Saturday. They lost at Boston College. And I got to tell you, relative to expectations, Missouri's been a little bit of a disappointment for me this season. And this game, another example of that there, too. Of course, a lot of you talking about Arkansas's win against Texas A&M. A&M's just not the same team right now than it would have been had it had Haynes King at starting quarterback, and that's all there is to that. This is a team that's really struggling at the quarterback spot right now, and you know that opened the door for a lot of other exploitation on the part of Arkansas. But listen, give credit to Arkansas. That was their first win after a nine-game losing streak against Texas A&M. They get that and now set up a huge game against Georgia on Saturday. you got to give them a lot of credit for doing so uh you know there's other games around the sec but we'll probably talk about those later for now we'll make that your sec through and here on dog nation daily presented by Pella window and door of georgia i want to turn our attention back fully to the dogs here for a moment because i think the one thing that you cannot lose sight of for georgia even in the midst of a game against vanderbilt that was fairly unimportant right that that, that ultimately was more of a 
tune-up glorified scrimmage than an actual game. The performance that you got from Brock Bowers in particular was just spectacular. I mean, he's just right now playing at such an uncommonly good level for Georgia. And I said this on Twitter during the game. That for me, the comparison here is not to other tight ends. Oh, Georgia's using the tight end a little bit more. It obviously is, but that's not the takeaway. The takeaway is when you look at the best pass-catching targets that Georgia has had under Kirby Smart, you really look no further than George Pickens, in particular his freshman year in 2019. That's the most touchdowns any receiver has ever had under Kirby Smart and the most receiving yards any receiver has ever had under Kirby Smart. That's what Pickens did as a freshman in 2019. And Brock Bowers right now is on pace to eclipse that number. This, for the moment, is as dynamic a pass-catching weapon as Georgia has had. And whether he plays receiver or whether he plays tight end, that's pretty important that Georgia needed those dangerous players on the outside, those pass-catching targets in order to be as good as the very best team in the country have been. And Bowers is on his way to doing that. He had three touchdowns on Saturday. And by the way, Ladd McConkie also had a couple there too. It's two impact freshmen playing well for Georgia right now. And when the game was done, Kirby Smart threw some compliments in both of their directions. They're just real tough, hard workers um, that believe in the process of, of working really hard. I mean – Lad McConkey wasn't real heralded either, <laughs> but he was a guy that we watched. And I said, "What? What? This guy's fast. He's smart. He's athletic, and he he, he competes. He's tough." Uh, and you know, to, to me, that's a little bit what's missing in football. You know, like like don't 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 tell me how good you are. Show me. And uh, he's done a really good job doing that. I love that line from Kirby Smart. Don't tell me how good you are. Show me how good you are. You know, don't don't follow your own hype, but lead your own hype into a season, into a game, and go out there and prove it each and every day. And, yeah, I was impressed with McConkie on Saturday. I think it's pretty cool uh, how quickly he's become a part of this Georgia offense. I'm telling you right now, what Brock Bowers is doing is potentially special. It's potentially a, a very dangerous weapon. You better believe that when opposing defenses see Bowers – utilized you know getting a carry for a touchdown catching two more touchdowns he got what five touchdowns through four games when you see that taking place i guarantee opposing defenses have determined that defending georgia the job of doing that just got a whole lot tougher get ready to roll call now on our golden shoe want to give it out today to harris english the georgia bulldog former dog as a part of the winning u.s Ryder cup team boy what a great event this was not very close but unbelievable as fun a sporting event as, as i think exists and the united states was so impressive it was good to see harris english be a part of that so congratulations to both uga and usa for that and by the way speaking of the lousy stinking gators 33 days from right now dogs we think get some revenge against florida we'll see you tomorrow dog nation daily presented by Pella window and door of georgia